I'm going to start out with a little bit of a story this morning. Um, this week has been quite a week for our family. We, uh, most of you know that we sold our house. We did sell it. It was pretty miraculous. We sold it. We put a sign up for sale by owner within two weeks, week and a half to two weeks. We sold it. second person that looked at it said, yeah, I like it. We'll take it. Like, what? What? And uh, so this week, we closed on Tuesday, moved on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, I tell you, it's been an emotional week at the Herring House. Because we've been in that house for 10 years. We actually built that house. And uh, we've been in it for 10 years. Um, Aiden was two. And then all of our other children were actually born in that house. Some of them even conceived in that house, you know. And, uh, not all of them. Sorry. So there's a lot to, uh, to lament there. But seriously, you know, it, it really was. It's been an emotional week. And, and um, um, interestingly, you know, just all week, me, I mean, as masculine of a man as I am, just boohooing. I mean, one day, uh, I don't even know what triggered it. I was taking to the, boy, the boys to school, and, and we drove around the corner to, to take the boys to their bus, and, and I was just all of a sudden just crying, and the boys are like, you know, Dad, are you okay? Are you okay? What's wrong? I like, nothing. Just go. You know. <laughs> they get on the bus, and, the, and they're all looking out the window as they're climbing back to their seats. The first thing that Rowan says, my dad's crying. Please pray for my dad. He's crying. <laughs> and I, I see all these kids on the bus go, <laughs> looking at me. I'm just like. <laughs> so anyway, it, it has. It's been an emotional week, you know. And so uh, moving out of the house. So we had a great prayer time with me and my boys. Melissa and Emma Kate were um, at her mom's house. But me and the boys just kind of sat on the living room floor and, and remembered and prayed and we prayed for the people that bought our house, that they would have as much joy and memories as we did and all that kind of stuff. And they were crying, and it was just a big boohoo fest. And, um, but it's been a good week. And, you know, just to be quite honest, the whole move, as ordained as it, as it is by the Lord, just really brought grief to my heart. You guys know what I mean? It brought grief to my heart. And it's like, wow. And I thought about the teaching series we're in, The Fox. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil our vineyards while our vineyards are in bloom. And, of course, we've said every week that the vineyards in that represents our love for Christ, our life in Christ. And I got to thinking this week, kind of later in the week, I'd actually planned on teaching something completely different today. But I thought about um, later this week, kind of as one of the last loads and I'm booing, <laughs> you know. I thought about how grief, and you can write this down just to start with today. Grief, if not surrendered to the Lord, can be a small fox that robs the fruit of joy from our lives. Grief on any level, if not surrendered to the Lord, if not given to the Lord, if that burden, that heavy burden is not given to the Lord, it can be like a small fox, a little fox that comes into our vineyard and just steals fruit right off of our vines. Do you guys agree with that? 
and you think, well, Tony, you know, you're just moving God's in it, and also, but it's still grief. You know, grief is is any. It's a natural response to any kind of loss. That's what grief is. The 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 um, definition of grief is is just a natural response to any kind of loss. He goes on to say it's the emotional suffering you feel when something or someone you love is taken away from you. I want to clarify, our house wasn't taken away from us. I had to clarify that boy, to our boys. You know, we, we didn't lose the house. We made money on the house, boys. It's good. We didn't lose the house. What did we lose the house? No, we didn't lose the house. We chose to sell the house. Most of the time, we... We associate grief with the death of a loved one. And, um, but, you know, grief can be, can be uh, an emotion that we feel at the loss of anything. Like it says, anything or anyone that you love when it's taken away or when it goes away. It's usually associated with death, yes, but there are all kinds of things that can bring us grief. And I thought about the gamut of things that, that we've experienced in this room. I thought about divorce. I remember when my parents got a divorce when I was four. I was four and I felt grief. I didn't understand how to uh, wade through that and deal with that. But I remember looking back, man, that was grief. My parents had to have felt grief. My dad probably felt a grief. My mom, people that go through a divorce, the husband, the wife, they feel grief. They didn't set out to get married so that they could get a divorce. The kids always feel some sort of a grief. You know, even people that are in relationships that are just dating, if you've been dating long enough and you've had some sort of emotional um, uh, attachment there, there's grief if you break up. There's all kinds of things. I remember whenever I lost my pet, Blackie, my dog, you know, when I was a kid. When I lost, I mean, I was like a blubbering mess. Some of you guys have lost pets, and you're way more emotional by it than you probably should be. But, but grief is grief, you guys. Think about the, the people that we've been praying for uh, off and on over this last, well, really two to three years, the different health things. You know, whenever you lose health, when you've been a healthy person, I think about how I've grieved um, Danny Kirkpatrick going through cancer and Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Ramsey going through uh, her cancer and chemo and, and certainly Lawan going through everything she went through. You know, I'm grieving that and I'm not even the person. You know, if you've lost health or there's something that, that, is, that is, you know, you seems like it's been taken away, you can grieve that. I thought about people that lose jobs, people that have worked somewhere for 20 years and all of a sudden there's layoffs because the economy's this or the economy's that. You lose your job and that can be emotional. Some of you are like, I'm glad I lost that job. But other people, man, it's like, man, it's like a family. I think about uh, my father-in-law, Chris, you know, working at, um, at Goodyear, Kelly Goodyear for all those years and and the plant was shutting down, and he didn't do anything wrong. And the other employees didn't do anything wrong. They shut it down. It's like losing a family. It's like, wow, I really grieve that. Even though someone didn't die, I grieve that. Or any kind of even financial stability lost. Maybe there's a pay cut or this. And, you know, there's all kinds of things to grieve. Traumatic experiences. Some of you heard about the, the plane that went down with those four young people in it. Four people died, and one girl survived. We'd certainly grieve the loss of those four people. I think one of them was engaged, about to be married. Wow, grief is in the air. And even the girl that didn't die. Yay, she didn't die. But I I grieved the fact that she had to go through that. You know, 20-something percent burns on her body. I grieved that. That's sad. I wouldn't want to go through that. It's a very difficult thing to go through. I was thinking about the different people that Melissa and I have known over the years that have experienced miscarriages. 
You know, I've been trying to have babies, trying to have babies, and they have miscarriage after miscarriage. That's a grieving thing. All kinds of things. People that have had to relocate. Some of you moved here from somewhere and you left friends, you left families, you left homes, you left jobs, you left alma maters, you know, schools. <laughs> I was, my, me and the boys walked up the road to um, where we went to high school and they built all these new baseball fields that I hadn't seen yet. It's like, whoa, this place has changed. And then I went to the baseball field that I actually played on. And of course, I'm already a blubbering mess. I'm just like, <laughs> I played on that field, you know. <laughs> my boys are like, at this point, they're just like, jeez. You know, even the, the moving from a house that you love can bring grief to your heart. There's all kinds of things in life that can just bring you grief. All kinds of things. I thought about Ecclesiastes 1, verse 18. It says, in much wisdom, there is much grief. And increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. That's just a fluffy way of saying the more you live, the more you grieve. The more you live, the more you experience, the more opportunities there are to go through situations that can bring grief to your life. Can I get an amen on that one? Think of all the things that we have cried our eyes out for. The things that we've experienced over the however many years that you've lived that you've just cried and cried and cried. It's brought grief to your heart. The Psalm uh, 31 verse 9 says, My eye is wasted away from grief. It's another way of saying, kind of a fancy way of saying, I've cried my eyes out. I've bawled my eyes out from grief. My soul and my body also. My eye is wasted away from grief. My soul and my body also. There's been times where we didn't even know how we were going to make it through this difficult situation. There's been times where we don't know how we could even go on living the intensity of the grief. It's just right there in our face. Am I the only one that's experienced those kinds of things in my life? Raise your hand if you're like, I have experienced that. You know? I think about it being Mother's Day today and, and uh, Jacob and Bethany and my sisters and, you know, Miss Lawan isn't here. It's her first Mother's Day, and, it, and it's all real fresh. There's grief still there, mourning. It's like, oh, it's like, how do we even make it without mom? And I think about that verse, Psalm 31, verse 9. My eyes wasted away from grief, my soul and my body also. But you know what? Listen, the psalmist right here isn't making a um, fist-shaking statement. If anything, he's actually lifting up a heartfelt prayer. Look at the beginning of that verse. It says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted away from grief. My soul and my body also. Be gracious to me, O Lord. In other words, God's supernatural grace will get us through every trial and through every tribulation, through every difficulty, through every situation where our soul suffers. I need you to hear that this morning. I need you to hear the cry of the psalmist right here. Be gracious to me, O Lord, in my distress. I'm bawling my eyes out here. I even feel it in my gut, my body, my bones are aching. I'm so sad right now. Every situation where our soul suffers loss, the Lord's supernatural grace can get us through that. And if you're writing things down, I want you to write this down. When, out, when we shake our fist at God, we forfeit the grace to endure. Write that down real quick. And then let me explain. Write it down. I want to explain something. When we shake our fist at God, we're forfeiting 
his grace to endure. Now, I don't mean continually shaking our fist. I mean, what I'm talking about is, is a continuing, continual, how am I trying to say that? When we continually shake our fist. Because the truth is, is when something bad happens, sometimes our initial reaction is like, oh, God. And we get upset and we get angry. Can I get an amen? And you know what? I think God can handle that. Honestly, I think God's like, oh, no, that stinks. That hurts. And we shake our fist for a few minutes, you know? But hopefully we can understand the cry of the psalmist, Lord, be gracious to me because this hurts. And when we say that, all of a sudden he comes in like a flood with his grace and gives us the ability to endure, to persevere that, to walk through that grievous time, to mourn, and then to move on. But when we continually shake our fist at God for whatever it is that grieves us, for whatever doubt came, for whatever disappointment came, when we continually shake our fist at God, I think what happens is we forfeit the grace to endure that. There's people in this room that that have shaken their fist at God for this disappointment, for this loss, for this scenario, or whatever, for many years. And you're forfeiting not only the grace to get through that situation, but because you didn't endure that difficulty, that trial, and allow the Lord to strengthen you, you're, um, you're not as strong as you should have been when this next one comes along. Because that grace to endure that and to be strengthened by that wasn't there because we're just shaking. We're just shaking. At some point, we have to have the heart of the psalmist to say, Lord, be gracious to me. I am in distress. And when this happens, when we get in that state of mind, this is where the fox comes in and does his thing. This is when he comes into the vineyard and begins robbing from us that joy. Listen, Satan knows how to turn our grief into doubt. The enemy knows how to come in to a time of mourning, a time of grief, a time of sorrow, and turn our grief into doubt. He's done it many times. We've been going through the book of James on Wednesday night, and in chapter 1, it says, Consider it all joy, brothers. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. And, and Nick broke that down one night in the guys' Bible study, and he talked about how uh, when you encounter... He talks about, if I remember right, he says, basically, that means to fall into. When you fall into trials, when you, when you find yourself in trials, and you may say, well, did God cause this trial? Did Satan cause this trial? Or is this something I just found myself in? Well, it really doesn't matter because whether God caused it or the devil caused it or whether you fell into it, it just happened to be what it was. Paul says to consider it. I mean, James says to consider it all joys. When you encounter various trials, knowing that, The testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result. In other words, God is after something. When there's a grievous time, when there's a time of mourning, God's after something in that with you. So let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If you're writing things down, I'd love for you to write this down. God uses suffering to build spiritual stamina. Write that in there. And we talk about suffering and stuff like that from time to time. But we've got to get that into our heart. Because if we don't, the enemy will come in like a little fox and begin stealing little bits of joy, little bits of faith, little bits of trust and hope to where we become a doubtful, despairing person. And we've, we've talked that, about that a little bit through this whole series. God uses suffering to build spiritual stamina. I want you to turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. 
most of us, it's marked in our Bible, one way or the other, saying something like, the suffering servant. And we know that Isaiah 53 is a messianic prophecy about Jesus and who he was, what he would go through, a lot of specific details that God gave by revelation to Isaiah. And I'm just going to read this whole chapter. Is that cool? I want you to listen to me. Remember, this is on the cusp of saying, uh, or on the, I just say God uses suffering to build spiritual stamina. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, and that's a capital H in my Bible, we know he's talking about the Messiah. For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of a parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Verse 3, he was despised and forsaken, some of your versions say rejected, of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Our Savior was acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening, the chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him, the Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and in judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he would see his offspring. He would prolong his days. And the good pleasures of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And as a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many. That's us, you guys. We are justified. Therefore, I will allot, uh, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the plunder with the strong, because he poured out himself to the death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many, and interceded for the transgressors. I want you to look back at two specific verses. Verse three says he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That was our Lord. The one that we turn to knows how we feel in any circumstance. Whether it's the death of a loved one or whether it's the moving from a loved house. Amen? He gets grief. He gets our grief. And he's the one that we turn to so that the enemy won't rob the fruit of it. And then look at verse 10. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render 
himself, in other words, offer his life as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasures of the Lord will prosper in his hand. The Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. And it's not that the Lord took pleasure in the crushing. Don't be confused. He took pleasure or takes pleasure in the results of the difficulty. Okay? It's not like God's going, this is so fun. This is eternally great. No. I believe he grieves with us when we go through things that are, that are hurtful. But he delights in the results of those who persevere through those things that don't shake their fists continually, but humble their hearts and say, be gracious to me, O Lord, in my affliction, in my distress. I think God's producing something greater in all of us than we even desire for ourselves, to produce in ourselves. Unless we surrender our suffering soul to the Lord, unless we surrender our heart, unless we surrender that grief to the Lord, we ourselves will not be strengthened. You guys understand what I'm saying? If, you're, if you are going through or if you've been through a time of grief or mourning or difficulty, if you don't surrender to that to the Lord, you will not come out on the other side any stronger. And I thought about this. How do we surrender our soul to the Lord in the midst of suffering? And it's very simple. Psalm 119, verse 28. Would you turn there? I want you to mark it in your Bible. Psalm 119. This is the big, the big psalm. Psalm 119, verse 28. It says, This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has... Well, that's the verse 50, but that's a good one too. I have it marked. Verse 28. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. My soul weeps. I'm a blubbering mess because of the grief that I find myself in right now. Strengthen me according to your word. Like I said, this isn't rocket science on how we surrender to the Lord in the midst of suffering. It's through His Word. Amen? It's through, um, it's through His spoken Word. It's through prayer, hearing the voice of the Lord, hearing that comfort of the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter. He's the counselor. The Holy Spirit's the one that's going to help us get through that. He's the helper, Jesus called Him. Prayer. And then uh, Scripture, the written Word. There's something about this, this book, something about the words, when we read by the power of the Holy Spirit, it comes alive and it just ministers to our soul. You can't try to make it through a time of mourning, a time of grief without God's word. And he says, strengthen me according to your word. Strengthen me by your word. Through his word, when we're in his word, when we're praying, when we're listening, when we're hearing a spoken word from God or in his written word, we're going to be reminded of who he was. We're going to be reminded of who he is, who he promised he will be. And basically what that amounts to is that God is always faithful to those who put their trust in Him. When we read this Word, when we open this up, when we spend time in prayer, hear from the Lord, we're reminded that He is faithful to those who have put their trust in Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, real quick. Go ahead and go there. First Corinthians 1. Verse 9. 
says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son. In other words, he is faithful through his son. The faithfulness of the Lord that we experience, we experience it because we are in Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the NAS version. I want to read you the message version. I love it. God, who got you started in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master, Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. The cross, the irony of God's wisdom. Isn't that interesting? Remember, he delights. It says that he delights. He he says he was pleased to crush and putting him to grief. He doesn't delight in the crushing, but he delights in the results. The cross, the irony of God's wisdom, that God would use suffering, grief, difficulty, sorrow, at times of mourning to produce great fruit in our lives. It seems backwards. Well, shouldn't this be all hunky-dory and peachy keen? Yeah, it should. But this is the way the Lord rolls. <laughs> the truth of it is this, and, and I want us to stand. Go ahead and stand. Here's the, the truth of it. I want us to declare these scriptures out. I want us to read them together. We're going to read seven or eight scriptures together. Let me put that first one up. I want us to read these together because this is the truth of it. I want us to, to end today reading these scriptures and reminding us of, of the Lord's faithfulness and what He promises to do in our times of mourning. Again, I know this comes out of, Tony, dude, you just moved. You just moved from your house. And that's true. All I did was move. But some of you have some things that are so deep, so deeply grieving in your hearts right now. Maybe you have lost a loved one recently. Or maybe you've lost a job. Or maybe there's something that, it, that goes so far back and you've been shaking your fist at God for a long time. And it's just time. It's time to let the Lord bring strength to you. To pull you out of that pit. You know, I think it's funny, Sean. The songs that you picked this morning are absolutely perfect. Turn my, joy, my morning into joy, into dancing. All the songs, especially those first three or four Wow, how did you know? Because we haven't really talked about... I was going to teach on something else. (laughs) But his set was perfect, wasn't it? So thank you, Lord, for that. If you have grief, if you're grieving something right now, whatever it is, let the Lord minister to it. Amen? Let's read these together. This is Lamentations 3, verse 32. You ready? For if he causes grief then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. Amen? Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again And your heart will rejoice. And no one will take your joy away from you. You have turned from me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane. (laughs) For you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. 
And the days of your mourning will be over. To grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned into mourning. I think that one probably shouldn't have been up there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, backwards of that one. And then Revelation is 21.4. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no longer be any death. And there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And that's the final truth of it. Amen? That's revelations. That's at the end. We know what's coming. And I just thought about, and I'm going to say this before I close. I was, uh, it's just interesting, and this is how I even noticed it. I was on the verge of despairing. Like, Lord, would you ever bring us a house as good as this one? Did we make the right choice? Did we, and I'm like, he's led us miraculously through this whole thing. But grief got me. And the enemy came in and was using it. And I was lamenting and not rejoicing. I was shaking my fist at the Lord. And then he kind of thumped me on the ear and said, dude, don't do that. And so I turned my, uh, my morning into praise and started thanking him for who he was, who he's been, who he is, who he promises to be. If nothing else, Lord, I'm going to be with you in paradise. Amen? So I want to encourage you this morning. Would you mind if I pray over you?